0: Welcome to the Staying Free podcast. This podcast seeks to give a voice to real people around the world who are attempting to stay free, stay sovereign, and stay sane in a world which is changing faster than ever. In this episode, I talk with Julie, also known as Mother of Hope on Twitter. Julie is a popular voice in the freedom community online and a familiar face at the freedom marches in the UK. We talk about protests, the freedom movement, the nature of the new normal, and how to remain human in the post-COVID world. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for interesting guests, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. A link is in the show notes. On to the episode. Julie thanks so much for coming on the podcast um I've uh, been following you for, for quite a while now really since um quite earlier when this all began maybe in uh last uh, May or June time so it's good to finally get to have a proper conversation
1: yeah nice nice to meet you virtually
0: <laughs> yeah virtually virtually but um I don't know there is a protest this Saturday right so maybe it won't be virtually
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I won't be going to the one this weekend unless there's, I think there's actually a local one near me um, in Halifax, which I might be attending. Um, But it was costing me quite a lot of money to go to London so frequently. So I've had to not go as frequently.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, these protests ultimately have got to take place in lots of different places and they've got to go local. So, um, you know, there's no kind of um, harm in, in doing things locally. In fact, I think there might be a lot of advantages there.
1: I think that um, many of us found that, um, that we were getting a little bit disillusioned with the way that the protests were going. Um, we couldn't find transparency within who was organising them or what the aim was. And I went uh, the last one I went on, it felt like a little bit of a road to nowhere um just, I can't remember where it was we went now, but it, there was just this this band um, fronting there and there were lots of religious people at the front. And it just felt like I was part of something that it wasn't intended to be. Um, and the one before that was similar, I think, because they ended up at a shopping centre. And many of us have, have thought, well, why are they taking us down these, you know, seemingly... Um, useless places to we, we want to be outside the places where people are going to see us on busy routes um we don't want to be at some random shopping center or you know headed by some religious um I don't know um band steel band or whatever it was so again that's um that kind of knocked it out on me a little bit as well uh, but a, a lot of people locally have been inspiring me talking about the the ones that they're having closer to home and that they feel like we've got a lot more control over them because they're grassroots, so.
0: Yeah, I actually wasn't around um, during the time when people seem to have kind of got more disillusioned. When I left the UK, it was in May. And Mm. um, before that, I actually felt like the protests were going really, really great. The ones that we had kind of at the beginning of this year, probably kind of, maybe it was like March or or April, were... Mm like fantastic like I I actually thought that that it was moving in a really really good direction and it seemed to carry on that way for a bit but I I get the impression it was maybe kind of middle to late summer that people started getting a bit um disillusioned by the way that they were being organized particularly.
1: Mm, I think there's um it's difficult because whoever organizes it I can understand why they didn't want to publish the route until the last minute because um then it could be um, you know, the police or whoever could see that route and act upon that information um, in a negative way. But um, by doing that, we, the people attending the marches, didn't get to see the route until the last minute. So we couldn't make up our minds whether we thought it was a good route or give some input into what we thought about it.
0: So I just want to go into a little bit of a background about yourself. Where did the name Mother of Hope come from?
1: well, I suppose you, you just have to call yourself something on Twitter. I wasn't on Well, I say I wasn't on Twitter. Um, I was on Twitter um, as my business. Um, I was a face painter. I had a face painting business um, prior to all this happening. And it was it was a nice, you know, successful enough business. Um, I enjoyed it. It was creative and all of that. And then all of this happened, Um and I had to give up on that. I had to, I had to sort of accept. And I did that fairly early on. I accepted that it wasn't coming back um, that I would never have that business again, because it relies on um, interacting with people and um, people feeling free, not wearing masks and um, people trusting you with their children to, to paint them. All those things I wouldn't be able to do um, under what I knew was coming. Some and, and obviously I'm a mother as well. So the, I suppose those things came together to give me the idea to call it Mother of Hope because it's like, well, yeah, all this stuff's going down, but I like to think that it's a temporary thing. And I know it's going to be a long temporary thing. I don't see that we're getting out of this that quickly, but still, if you 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 know if you have hope, you've you've got something to, to cling to. I think you? you've got the idea of another day. So yeah, I guess it's that, yeah.
0: And I saw that on your Twitter that you, in your bio, it says that you're libertarian. Is that a recent thing or is that something that um, has been a part of your philosophy for a while?
1: Um, I don't suppose I gave it a label until the last few months um, because I always saw myself as more to the like, politically to the left. Um, but then when we see how the left have acted around all this then i've had to kind of re revisit that and um think to myself well am i really politically left and i think a, a lot of people did the same they they started thinking well what exactly am i and and i mean do we need to give ourselves labels anyway i, I don't know but um out of the labels on offer i think libertarian is the one what that seems to resonate most with me
0: yeah it's interesting that i I get the impression that a lot of people who are on the left have had to question their political um ideas. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that a lot of people who even now are still saying, oh, you know, I'm on the left and but we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing that, etc. Like, it seems to me they're they're libertarians, whether they are aware of it or not. Um, the one that comes to mind is uh oh, who is it? The the pretty the, the guy who kind of that's his thing is being the the left-wing guy who's who's the anti-lockdowner and the the pro-choice um, pro, pro choice when it comes to vaccine. I'm blanking on his name now, as I always do, but um, I'll remember it in a second. And he um, it, he's still saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm on the left and stuff. But then I'm like, well, what, what views actually do you have which are on the left? Because, um, you know, it seems very much like he's a libertarian that hasn't necessarily recognized it yet. And I think that's the case for a lot of people in this. I mean, I came to that realization a few years ago. You know, I was so sure I was on the left and then I was like oh wait a second actually um I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that and in the end it wasn't until I kind of started reading about and learning about libertarian philosophy that I was like oh I'm not on the left at all I'm actually a libertarian I actually think it's kind of an, an easy mistake to uh, to make to kind of slip yourself in the wrong political category essentially.
1: And it, it sounds so close to liberal doesn't it and of course it's um it's a different thing.
0: Yeah we, and it actually did you know initially it was about be you know, liberal values now, traditional classical liberal values is uh, are now libertarian values. They're not, um, you know, they, they really have not much relationship to the kind of modern left, I guess.
1: Mm. I think that um, many of us are questioning the whole um, political system as, as well at the moment. I know I am. Um, I think I went into this as many other people did, you know, contact your MP, sign the petition, all the rest of it. The- and then yeah. you just realise that those channels are empty now, and they're not working for people. And that's it's quite a bleak realisation that that there's no one that's. But at the end, it's again that's still quite liberating in itself. The fact that you've got to do it for yourself. It's going. The change is going to come from the ground upwards. It's going to come from real people, and not someone in power. But we're so used to being nannied out, we being looked after. Um, but, and then and then see and by doing that we can we can blame people as well we can say well it's your fault I voted for you and you didn't do x but I think the whole thing needs dismantling from the the bottom up um yeah and revisiting there's a structure there's a structure and I'm not sure what the next structure should be because if you don't have any structure then it's chaos and is that any better but I just know this one we've got currently isn't working for us
0: yeah it seems seems to me actually that um that if you do if you did have chaos it would be better than where things are right now because at least um at least with chaos you still have the freedom to direct the chaos into uh, you know to, to try to make something out of the chaos and to try to you know have a life of you know freedom and have a life of self-sovereignty um whereas what we're under right now it's it's worse than chaos because it's chaos which is being thrust upon you by a centralized authority so it's a centralized authority which is just like hell-bent on taking away everyone's freedoms and um you know diminishing the quality of everyone's lives um through this complete madness so i actually think that you know when people say oh well you know democracy's um you know democracy is just the the best of a bad bunch or whatever I actually just think that if we completely got rid of all politics now and and just went full anarchy, and I'm not sure that I would necessarily consider myself a full anarchist. I would say I'm probably more a minichist. I maybe believe in extremely small government. Um, But actually, if you just had full anarchy, I cannot see it being a worse situation than what we're in now.
1: I agree. I think that people have got into the habit of, um, say, trusting others to look after them and obviously that serves those people that, that do that, doesn't it? Um, and it's it's always gone on, but it, it just feels like it's being hurt a little longer, a, a faster pace at the moment. And I really, um, I, I believe that a lot of it is, um, we're, we're being disabled, we're being active. I remember um, Ro- Rosa, Co- is it Corey, Co- right? Co- right? I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, um, just before she died. Um, I used to read a lot of her posts on Twitter and she, she believed that I remember reading a tweet of hers about the fact that we're being disabled um, as people. We're being we're being disarmed. All these conveniences, so-called conveniences um, that we have, you know, lights that switch on for us, and um, you know, things that beep, dryers that beep when they're finished. All this, they're all sort of chipping away at ourselves, at the the human, um, to do things, and um, even you know, just stuff like lifts, anything. It's all been over a period of time so that we're just these, we're almost like little kind of program robots now just sat there waiting for the next bleep or whatever it is to, you know, usher us along. And we've lost contact with that. Um, the, the crea- I think the creativity of the spirit is, is being crushed and the two are linked. Um, I was thinking recently about writing and how, everything's chosen from a, a menu now um, and we've got into the habit of choosing fonts, for example, and choosing type sizes. And how different is that to being able to actually construct a script with your hand, with a pen? Even just stuff like that is stripping the creativity, all these um, responses when you, you like something on Facebook and it will pre it will pre-empt something, won't it? Oh, thank you or good luck or whatever it is. And you again, you're being... Um, shunted into this box and it's zapping us of creativity
0: yeah i'd agree with that and um you know also just people don't really have that much of an ability to run their own lives now because of this onslaught of um technology and you know like i'm a massive advocate for technology but i also think that people should be able to use it and understand it and you know for instance like with with cars now um, mm. you know if you buy like a modern car it's just impossible for you to actually be able to um, you know without being a pretty experienced mechanic and being on top of the latest uh, vehicles like you're not going to know what you're doing with it whereas like older mm. cars um, you know people kind of knew what they were doing they, you know you had kind of like generic um, parts which went into it that you could just kind of like pick up from you know and they, they were the same in different vehicles and you know nothing was kind of this it wasn't all just like proprietary like it is now and people could could kind of fix things and 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 now it's just like everything is just impossible i mean if you've got a problem w- with your car it's like well i've got to take it to the mechanic and you know even like what you're saying something like something like a lift it's like if, if your lift breaks down someone needs to come and fix it you're not going to be able to, yeah. to go and sort that out it's kind of like as we move away from legacy technologies, just things like stairs or, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not arguing we all go back and start using candles and start, you know, making our, <laughs> you know, cutting our own firewood, etc. Um, but there is something to that which frees the human. And I think that as we kind of go down this path towards ever more complex technology, our ability as an individual to be self-sovereign, it kind of runs away from us.
1: Mm. There's two, I think there's, um, there's a, such a thing as too much choice. I mean, the, and I think with, with too much choice, sometimes the quality is impaired. You've only got to look at TV to see an example of that. How, you know, back in the 80s or whatever, you, you did get higher quality programs um, that took you on more of a journey that made you think. Whereas now, every everyone's got something to sell. There's adverts every two minutes. They're all um, they're all kind of honing this this culture of having a short attention span of of oh, this, then this, then this, um, and yeah, I don't think that's doing us any good either as humans. And I think it's all contributed to where we are now. Say so we we lack that. We lack the creativity in ourselves we once had that was once um, innate that we could tap into. Um, and I'm and say we're being bamboozled by all this tech that's kind of um, saying, oh, but you could have this or this or this and really, it, you know, it, it, we're not given the space to think about it which is what we really need to process things um, and have real, you know, real connections and um, conversations well, everyone wants to get things out in blurts, you know and I don't think it does us any good.
0: Yeah, totally. And that that's definitely one of the reasons why I wanted to start this is because everyone at the moment, most of the conversation we're having with each other is like very short, whatever it is, 280 character tweets. And having conversations like this are just so important. And this is why, you know, when they're doing things like, you know, the the kind of censorship that's going on, on these mm. platforms doesn't mm. actually concern me all that much because if anything, it might just force people to go out and meet each other in person. You know, if we're all getting banned from these platforms and the only way to meet the community is by going out into and doing stand in the park or going to protest, etc., at least that's making real connections between people. So, you know, I do think there is a kind of like human yearning for that. And, you know, maybe technology has pulled us away from it, but as they try to close down the technological channels I don't think people are just going to be like, oh, okay, well, I'm being censored now on Twitter. So I guess I'll just, you know, talk about different stuff. That's just not how this human spirit works. You know, how the human spirit works is if I've been censored on Twitter, I'm going to either try to navigate around it using technological means, or I will go back to more legacy ways of doing things, i.e. meeting people, etc. But you're not going to just censor people to the point where they just go, okay, I give up then. That's just not how things are going to go in my view.
1: Well, that would be the hope, Um, and I think for people maybe like myself and yourself, that would be the case. But it depends on how determined you are, how um, strong your spirit is, because there will be people, sadly, who do get lost along that. They'll they'll drop out of Twitter, and then they'll suddenly feel that they can't connect. I mean, I'm okay because where I live, there are quite a lot of like-minded people that I can connect with imagine if you are the only person in your village or town who has these kind of opinions who do you connect what do you do then do you do you kind of walk for miles get on a bus have a big drive somewhere just just in case you you think you might have a connection with someone so I think that it's those people um who are going to suffer if this worsens because to say they'll they are going to and I guess that's why you you know you have to do your best to make connections with people and, and travel to Travel to find those people um if you can now while well they while well you know who they are because you're not always gonna know who they are and where they live. And at least now we've got the means of finding them. It's like if I lived in a little village and they closed my Twitter down, I'd at least know where there were other people that thought the same as I did. And I could locate them and yeah, meet up with them or whatever.
0: Have you met um other people kind of from the protests and stuff and and made um like personal connections through this time
1: definitely um i mean i'm probably on twitter way more than i should be (laughs) but i think that's that's, um it's common to a lot of people and it's it's lovely when you meet the people that you speak to online when you meet them in person because it oh it's, it's beautiful because for one there's none of this nonsense that you get um, in, um, you know, in Vertico because the real world, um, where it's like, well, do I hug them? Do I, you know, what do I do? There's this kind of instant feeling that, yeah, of course they'll be up for a hug and, a, you know, they embrace or whatever, a smile, that they'll, they'll want to engage, they'll, they'll want to speak freely, to get close. And I think that's what I got from the first protest. It was so different to the what was happening in the supermarkets and um, the shops and, you know, everywhere else, public transport where people were avoiding you. Suddenly you went to these protests and people were acting like human beings again. And that was why I wanted to go to more. I mean, people, a lot of people at the time were saying, well, do they do any good? And I was saying, well, do you know what? They do me good. And just that energy of feeling good and feeling up will surely spread and then other people will feel good and it will inform what you, what you write, what you say, all the rest of it, and it, it spreads, it spreads through.
0: Yeah, this, this is such an important point because I agree, it does seem like people who are kind of some, you know, more negative towards the protests. Mm.
1: Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's their kind of accusation is, oh, uh, you know, is it, doing, is it doing any good or is it just the same thing every time? You know, is it getting media attention, et cetera? For me, that's just not the point. The point of it is to go out and build connections and to meet people and to get exactly that feeling you're talking about, you know, um, finding uh, other people who are still on planet normal and actually kind of being like, oh, I'm not crazy. You know, there are people who still want to hug and who, you know, who still want to laugh and smile and show their faces and all the rest of it. That is so important because... Like we can't lose that. We can't let that go. And if you don't go to the protest because, oh, well, BBC decides to report there's only 20 people when there was, you know, 200,000 or whatever, like then you've just uh, they've won. Then that's exactly what they want. They want you to stop going to the protest. So, you know, saying I'm not going to go to the protest because X, Y, Z, if you enjoy it and it brings you something, which I think it does for all of us who are going to these things, then that's a good enough reason.
1: And it's lovely when you meet someone sort of twice, three times. It's like you, you know, it is like meeting an old friend. And I, I don't know. It's lovely. There's something to say when we're on Twitter, and we're like, oh, well, I'm going to see you there. Are you going to see me there? Where are we going to meet? What are we going to do? And just people are exact. Well, the ones I've met do seem to be like they are on Twitter. Um, I mean. There's, I've obviously I've only met so many of them, but the the people I have met, I've met them and it, it's been like, yeah, you are exactly how I imagined you. Um, mm-hmm. that's lovely that 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 authenticity isn't lost in in tweets that it's it's coming through and that they're able to show their character, like you say, even within these 200 and whatever it is characters um, that they have. And I think that the way that people say about the protests, um not achieving their aims half of them don't know what those aims are you can ask a dozen people what are the objectives of the protest and they'll give you a dozen different answers um some will say oh well i you know we, we don't want a mask, we don't want vaccine children we we don't want vaccine passports or whatever it is people have got different ideas on that and again people have got different ideas on um, what the protests should be, should they be in the central London, should they be local, should they be outside MPs' houses? So until you get some kind of um, agreement on that, how do you even do that, which must be a problem for the people who are organising them, which again brings us back to maybe that's why the grassroots ones closer to home are the best ones to attend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're right. That There is like just so many different different reasons to go to them. And, uh, I don't think any, any reason should necessarily be kind of, um, put above another either. And I'm not sure that they are. I think that people just generally accept, like, you know, the important thing is that we get out there and show that there is opposition to this and show that there's another conversation happening. Because if you were to look at, um, the mainstream media, um, you wouldn't even know. I mean, uh, th- it's just so far gone now that you just would have no idea that there even was, a movement out there of people who were against this stuff by by watching mainstream media. Like, your opinion would just be, oh, yeah, everyone's on board with this, and the entire world, and everyone's okay with it, and there's no protest, and there's no... um, You know, there's, like, every government's just in lockstep, and we all agree with this, and we all agree that the vax is safe and effective, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's just... It, it's so far distance from reality now if you watch the mainstream media that um it's just two different worlds i mean you know i never i never watch it but when i see that my uh, like parents have got it on or whatever and i'll kind of um you know walk past the tv and i'm just like i'm just amazed i'm just amazed like you know that this this complete um fiction is just being pumped into people's houses every day and if people aren't out on the streets they would never know of it and you know it's, it's another reason to be out there it's just to show look there is a conversation happening here you know this isn't um this isn't all a one-way street
1: yeah i like to i mean i do watch some of it but i like to try and watch it the way the way you'd watch an enemy really to um to inform yourself and there are a lot of purists who will slate me on twitter for that you know why are you watching the bbc why are you watching you know good morning britain or whatever it is even coronation street well i'm just (laughs) I'm an ordinary person, and I, you know, I, I admit I watch these things, um, but I do watch them with, a, say, discerning sort of eye on them and, and knowing what they are. And I think, I think it's actually good to know your enemy and know what they're doing. So I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing, as long as you're aware that that's what you're doing and um, see yourself in that kind of third person viewing it um, rather than absorbing it.
0: Yeah, actually, I was talking to. Um natalie the other day um world of nc on, on and yeah, yeah and, she, she, yeah,
1: she's
0: and we, we were both saying how actually like if you watch the if you watch like jeremy vine show like, yeah. that's basically a blueprint for what they want to bring in. Like, Jeremy Vine just tells you everything they want to do in three months' time. That's that. That's it, you know. They, yeah. they talk about Vax Passports, three months later they're going to do them. Now they're yeah. talking about mandatory vaccines. so they're going to try and bring that in probably, I would say, around February time. It's just so the script is written. It's written, it's written Um, by Jeremy Vine's production team. So thanks for that, guys. <laughs>
1: Well it's I've always said that I think that the psychology is that of we have to want you know that when i say we i mean the most the most of the public have to want it for themselves so that's why they play this yes no game they start by floating something um, and denying it you know oh this is happening in another country but we'd never do that um, and then slowly it changes you know and we get all these you gov polls you know what do you think or what would you do and um and and then it seeps in, doesn't it, as an idea, oh, this has been leaked. Oh, they'll deny it. Um, and slowly, it, it say we play this yes and no game and it, it's happened every single time. Um, and it's, it's as if that they have to make people want it for themselves rather than um, thrust it upon them, which, of course, um, from a psych- psychological point of view, if you did that to people, they'd have none of it, would they? They'd... Um, they'd refuse to go along but if you make someone think that something is your idea and that you want it then it's, it's a clever tool that they use really um I think yeah, we,
0: nudge tactics I think it's called
1: yeah I think the kind of um <laughs> some people call it incompetence but it's far from incompetence it's actually very clever what they do but it appears like incompetence Um, You've only got to look at Boris Johnson, his persona, the clown, all the rest of it. But he's a very well-read man. Um, He's not got into that position by not being. But a lot of people are fooled by that persona and they think that he's this incompetent idiot and they just want someone to replace him. But who are you going to get? I mean, when we got rid of Matt Hancock, um, we got um, Sajid Javid. Is he any better? Not really, is it? It's more of the same. It's just the the front, the shop front that's changed. Um, the shop still sells the same shite. So yeah,
0: yeah. And <laughs> we 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 knew from the beginning that Sajid Javid was a World Economic Forum, you know, mm. um, one of their one of their boys. Like he, he's on their website, and he's uh, yeah. you know, his photos on there, and he's got a little little piece about him. So like we knew what he was going to bring in. I don't like we shouldn't be surprised by any of this because it was obvious. I mean. Like he, you know, he, he's done his, um, his masters proud and we shouldn't have expected anything different. Um, you know, like it's just so obvious, but um, there we are.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: um, you mentioned that you now are no longer working as a, as a face painter. Um, and I'm just interested to know kind of like how, how it, in which other ways your life has, has changed as a result of this and you know, how your outlook on life or your ambitions have
1: changed. Oh, well, um, before all this happened, I really wanted to travel. That was my sort of um, reason, really, my reason for being. I, I love travel. I love looking forward to where I was going to go next, what I was going to do, who I was going to meet. And now I've had to change my views on that and, and just accept that maybe I'll never go anywhere again, which is, unless I, unless I conform to what they're peddling um and that's that's quite heavy on me really um and it's it's really made me have to think deeply about what my new wishes are um where do I want to go and is it possible to shrink that or should I be trying to shrink it or should I be trying to just see past it and and see this as a difficult few years or yeah it's, it's it's I mean you am I right that you were in Mexico is that right? Yeah. And um, I've got a friend who's in Egypt right now and she inspires me a lot because she kind of arrived there by chance and um, she didn't intend to go to Egypt. I think it was just one of those things where um, a lot of people were using them at the time as kind of, I don't know what you call them, pass through places, countries, to neutral, they call it neutralizing this day. So that then when they got back home, they wouldn't have to um, stay in one of these vacs these quarantine hotels. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. What she, yeah, and that's, um, I think, what she did at the time. And she liked it and She's ended up staying. And she's now got this um, world school, this school home learning thing that she's doing, that she's fronting. And it's people like that that inspire me real, because she's like a real friend that I know in real life. And when you see real people doing things and finding ways around this stuff I mean she, I think she had to do the the test to get into Egypt but now she's there she there's none of that rubbish going on and um, the way she she talks about it to me it really inspires me and makes me think maybe there can be a, a better way of doing things and and, and that's the other thing um, I'll just mention it while, while we're on Egypt is that this whole notion of african countries um and you know we need to vaccinate africa and all the rest of it and she she's told me that they're not concerned about it at all a few weeks ago maybe three weeks ago when they were having all those sandstorms there were scorpions throwing fly through the air and whatever that's what they were concerned about that was a real problem to them but covid isn't a real problem to them and they're just getting on with it
0: yeah i've heard that um, you know, I actually think that if we didn't have this scaremongering media, we would be uh, doing the exact same thing. It just seems that they haven't got the African countries on board with this agenda.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, I guess that they just figure, well, you know, if we can get the Western world, because it's not it's not just um, uh, the African countries as well. It's, you know, I mean, yeah. even in, in kind of Central and South America, it's not a huge thing. Um, nowhere near as, as much as it is in the Western countries. I, I think that their their view is, well, these countries will just like follow whatever we do. So like, you know, Africa, you know, they're going to if we decide to bring in global tyranny, they'll just have to conform to it because they're too poor to do anything about it. Um that seems to be the attitude, but actually, you know, from everything that I've heard in these countries, if you actually go to these um countries, nobody's talking about it. Um nobody's doing anything about it. They're perfectly fine. They're not got, yeah. you know, cases through the roof or hospitalization death like none of that because they're not doing mass testing you know um they're not doing mass vaccinations like they're just living life normally and um you know i mean people can't see that because you know people have such a kind of western-centric view of the world that they're like oh well i'm just gonna ignore what's going on in other places because you know if the bbc is telling me that everyone's dying i'm sure it must be true even though you know they'll never talk about the countries where people are not dying um anyway i I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there but
1: (laughs) no it's um the the whole testing thing um it keeps the dream alive doesn't it um that is to me the single thing that you can do to or not do to sort of end this 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 um this thing because that and that's why it's not showing in africa and it's not a case of, all oh, these people are too poor to, to do the tests. They haven't got the resources. It's a case of, you know, when, when, you've got, when you've got to decide which member of your family gets an education or, you know, who's going to walk three miles to the well or whatever it is, it's not on your mind a, a, about this. It's the whole first world problems and third world problems um, thing, isn't it? And if you've got real stuff to deal with, then that's if you've got scorpions flying through the air in sandstorms. That's surely more of a priority than something that's a bit like flu. You know, if you've got things like malaria and yellow fever or whatever it is over there um, that they have, um, again, it's it's more of an issue than flu, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm, th- this is the crazy thing, though, is that people like us are supposedly selfish. Uh, yeah. You know, because we don't give such high priority. Um, to COVID and we actually think that, you know, things that are, you know, really high risk like heart disease and cancer and, you know, like serious diseases actually are, are the important thing that we should be focusing on and, and, you know, the NHS waiting list and stuff. But actually, um, you know, the, these, these, the, the duplicity, really um is so obvious to me when you have people who say things like oh you know we we need to all be taking our booster and this that and the other i i never hear those same people saying oh you know what like maybe we shouldn't be um giving a five-year-old a vaccine for a a disease that is that they're literally immune to maybe we should be trying to help people in, in another country who are who are older or whatever it's just um and then when you go to that country, they, they're not interested in, in it anyway, because they're like, Well, why do we need a vaccine for this disease which isn't killing anyone? Like you said, we've got we've got malaria over here. So it's like just this weird kind of you just you follow it round, you follow the kind of reasoning round. And what you end up in every single time for me is you come back to the point where you started, which is this is just a mass hysteria, which just doesn't make yeah. any sense. And the people calling other people selfish are the ones who um actually are Gen- generally acting upon their own irrational fear that that seems to be to be what it is to me which is an incredibly selfish um thing to do
1: but it's a fear that's been cultivated isn't it it's not a fear that was it's been planted and it's been it's been raised um so it's understandable really that to people it, i mean i was watching the i can't remember who it was now and um, the interview recently um it was on youtube about this theory that it's um, mass uh, mass formation, that it's like um, a, a, a mass hypnosis, um, and I believe that. So, if you actually believe that that's what's taking place, then you can at least be sympathetic to these people who are fearful. Um, and maybe sympathy is not the what's required, but empathy. I think we there's a lot of this division where people are keen to. Do the whole us and them. And, you know, I fall into it myself sometimes, uh, depending on which side of my personality is um, taking over on Twitter. But I fall into it as well on this whole, um, you know, the good, the bad, us, them, they've done this. But where we can find those moments to connect with other people um, and build those bridges, that's how we, I mean, I think I wrote it on, again on Twitter yesterday that I like to think of things a lot in terms of stories and fairy tales. And the one that came to mind after I'd read this theory of this mass formation was Sleeping Beauty, the way that she has to sleep for a, a long, long time. Um, you know, the thickets have to grow high and tall um, several princes have to try and cut through that before the right one comes And awakens sleeping beauty. And that's what, that's how I think we get out of this. I think it has to go through um, a certain length of time. Um, I think that they have to hear the message from several others saying it. And then eventually the right person will say it with love and it will hit the right note and she'll wake.
0: That was great. That was really poetic. I love that. So um, (laughs) that's a a good note, I think, to start rounding up on. So. Do you want to just um let people know where they can find you, first of all, but also any final final thoughts that you kind of want to share?
1: I was going to actually end by reading my poem that I wrote, um that's my pinned post on there, because I what I try and do, I try and write things um that will resonate with different people, because I think that you will awaken people with different tools in different ways. So sometimes I'll write something that's like an angry rant, and that will that will resonate with people, um, and it will fire them up. It will um, get their passion going. But sometimes, if you write something that's quite poetic, it will chime with another group of people, and they're often the people that need to hear it more. So I wrote this um, poem, and I'll read it now, and <laughs> see if um hopefully it means. Yeah, please do. Is that okay? Yeah. Right, it is called A Needle and the Thread. A needle took a journey through the fabric of our heads, from old people in rocking chairs to babies snuggled in their beds. It skewered through dreams as ripe balloons, until one day someone said, look, you may have got the needle, but you sure have lost the thread. Can we gather skirts of reason to this crude repair? Did we ever really fix those holes you saw? Is life ever fit for wear? We're patchworking society with a tool of sharp divide, demonizing friends and neighbors who dare suggest another side. The thread we choose is paramount to get this darning right. We can sew with barbed wire or gossamer, make our stitches loose or tight. But we're richer cloth for differences. We have more layers to face the cold. A shawl that's birthed with yarn of love is a garment to behold. Each spider gave her a cart to instinct, to her, the needles dead nature's law decreed she focused on the substance of her thread
0: great love it <laughs> yeah so thanks uh, so much for coming on the podcast um do you want to just let people know where they can find you and then uh, we'll round it off there
1: yeah um i'm just on as mother of hope um opinionated mom what number one i think it says <laughs> yeah so that's it and thanks it's been interesting talking to you of them i was enjoying the chat with anna that you did the other day
0: oh yeah 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 anna was anna was great she's uh she's a straight shooter and um yeah, yeah my 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 one coming up with uh with natalie as well i think people are going to really like that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well let's say it's the first time i've done anything like this so um i'm a bit i was a bit nervous but
0: hey not all not all you did great so yeah thanks <laughs> so much
1: thanks to me yeah bye-bye bye